This is Kincaid and Breckenridge, exclusively on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. In about an hour from now, we're going to hear from uh, another Calgary business owner who's maybe at or near the end, that it's just, it's been too much. We heard from one restaurateur earlier this week, uh, Escobar Bistro, says they can't take anymore. Uh, That's been death by a thousand cuts, the latest being the big tax bill they got from the city this year, and uh, they're closing their doors, and and others maybe teetering uh, near the edge. So we'll hear that story coming up a little bit later on, but uh, I guess in terms of the question of not necessarily how governments can can fix the problem, but at least not compound the problem. Yeah, to fix death by, death by a thousand cuts, uh, maybe government should offer a thousand cuts. Hell, I see what you did there. Right, because uh, I would suggest that a tax cut of some sort would be pretty welcome news. Maybe to the, a spending cut uh, as well. Oh, you want to step ahead of me at every turn. Uh, look, we know that the NDP government said, hey, small businesses, we're going to do you a favor. We're going to do you a solid. We're going to roll back uh, the small business tax rate. Uh, that hasn't helped larger businesses, though, who have seen an increase in their corporate income tax rate. Uh, and small and large businesses alike employ people for 15 bucks an hour or for minimum wage, I should say, which is going up to $15 an hour. So there is a lot of, of cost pressure being exerted on small and large businesses alike. And, hey, look, when, when an oil company lays off 1,000 people, that's a headline. Okay, when a neighborhood pub lays off 25, that goes unnoticed. But uh, somebody who does notice that is the Statistics Canada bean counter who's tallying the unemployment rate and figuring out what the cost of certain government policies are. And uh, I'll tell you something, that stuff adds up. So if you are in a position where you can find some relief, either in property taxes, business taxes, corporate income taxes, um, yeah. maybe you should find it. Well, and you know, I mean, just on the provincial scene, I mean, you know, the small business tax cut, I think, was certainly welcome by small businesses, but I, I think it's more or less going to be offset by the carbon tax that's coming in. I think it was meant to offset the carbon tax, but if, if it's a wash and then we still got everything else... I don't know that we're helping as much as we could. All right, one of the big complaints, uh, and we heard this from uh, Darren Hamill from Scoba Bistro. We've heard this from uh, some from barbershops, from day spas, and we're here. We're going to hear about it at eleven thirty uh, from Tracy Johnson, the owner of the Trap and Gill, the Atlantic Trap and Gill uh, down there on Heritage by the train station. Is the property tax increase? Uh, Dan Collierkart joins us now, the councillor for Ward Thirteen. Uh, councillor, welcome. Good morning. So you seem to be at the uh, at the forefront then of the movement towards zero, a zero percent increase mm-hmm. on uh, these property taxes that businesses are paying. Uh, are you kind of is your voicemail box full of complaints? Uh, absolutely, probably uh, unlike uh, anything that I've experienced uh, in in my terms of office, and. Uh, it's it's especially unique for all of the reasons that you guys have been talking about even over the past year uh with the with the the economic burden that people are really feeling now at the doorstep and and at their home i mean all the things you described uh whether it's whether it's businesses um that are finding it hard or having to pay more in hourly salaries and then having to lay off people because they have to meet payroll um, with people losing their jobs and uh, and left with mortgages, it's it's the whole. I mean, it, my argument here is that uh, that council cannot <clears throat> we cannot make our decision on the on the property tax rate. 
um, in isolation of all the other dynamics that are happening now. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just the, it's the economics of this whole thing and, and the over, not, not just the tax burden, but it's, it's, it's the cost of, of, of not only trying to make ends meet, but the reality that you can't. And, um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, the, the, it's always been said, uh, certainly by administration, that, you know, we pride ourselves in these high approval ratings that we get in citizen surveys uh, with what we're doing. And it's, 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 um, it, it, it's, it, it helps rationalize, I suppose, in a way, tax increases. Well, people are happy, but it's a bit of a catch-22. You, you keep taxing them more because you say you're going to give them more service, and uh, and that hopefully makes them more satisfied. But my experience over the last many years is that we've just been having tax increases and tax increases, and we have these high-level approval ratings, and we have a wonderfully run city, and we've come we've come accustomed to this. And at some point, um, with user fees and franchise fees, and and uh, all of these other um, carbon tax and all these other things that get loaded on even by other orders of government, I believe that local government then has to add all these things up because it sounds trite. There's only one person that you're, you're going after, which is the taxpayer. Right. So, so why is it heresy? To, why is it heresy to say, look at all we can afford is zero? Well, it almost seems to be these days, right? That, um, you know, the, the, what we hear each year is that, hey, you know, we, we looked everywhere we could. We, we can't do any more. This is the best we can do, and, and taxes are going up. So, yeah, why, why is zero never on the table? Yes. Well, because people say, well, and that's the, that's the throwback argument we get. Uh, well, if you want us to cut, and, 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 and God bless Jeff Fielding, our city manager, had we not hired this guy two years ago <laughs> that would have found, you know, nearly $200 million of in the system that he could cut out of there. Uh, if we hadn't had that in place before this hit, um, we would be in real trouble. The fact of the matter is, is that we're not out of trouble yet. This could go on for another year and a half. And, uh, and, and you know, Al Dewar was the one uh, in, the, in the early 90s that had zero percent tax increases for several years. Um, and, and so my argument is, you know, we beefed up pretty well here. Um, the other golden cage with all this is all of this capital money coming our way that, that supposedly is a stimulus to the economy. But guess what? There's a huge operational cost to these capital investments we're making, which jacks up the price, uh, the, 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 the tax base again. So we, at some point, we've got to step back and say, we've got to do with less here. Um, we, we are heading down a road that, in my view, is unsustainable, and, and I'm hearing it more than I ever have before, that people have had enough of this. Now, is, is, there, is the work being done, has the spade work been done on, on kind of relieving uh, the lion's share of the burden from businesses? 
uh, because we see the, the city collect money in business tax and, and in residential property tax. Mm-hmm. And it seems as though, you know, these businesses are crying foul because their property taxes are, are doubling. Uh, and we've heard, um, we, you know, we heard uh, uh, Darren Hamill from Escoba Bistro say that he incurred fourteen thousand dollars in legal fees to save money on his uh, on his tax bill, his, his uh, municipal yeah. tax bill. That's absurd. That to me is multiple yeah. years of my residential property tax. Right. So, so we're not there yet. I mean, just as we're seeing transformation in the economy in a number of sectors. Um, um, we we don't have this quite right yet with business. And when you look at the, we base our tax system on market value assessment and, and people's properties were assessed, what, last July, and uh, and they were taxed on that. And now uh, we see what, what what's happening to property value. So there's always this lag time. And that's my concern now that if we, if we seriously don't talk about zero, which I'm prepared to talk about with my citizens and those that elected me, um, and, 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 and they've got to be in this with us because, you know, the first call you get, not, not from a lot, but, you know, you're cutting, you're not cutting the dandelions down or the grass down <laughs> or this. And we, you know what, maybe we can't afford to do a lot of these, uh, high end things. We've got a wonderful public service, but me, you know what, we, we, we've got to stop this. We, 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 we can't sustain this and we have to see what this market correction, what the impact of this market correction is going to be over the next 18 months. Okay. And with the downloading that's happened from the feds and the province, we've stepped in a lot into poverty reduction strategies and housing strategies and, and taken the burden off them at the same time where, while they're starting to tax our citizens more. So okay. it doesn't make sense to me. Right. Okay. And I want to get back to zero in just a second. But but back to my earlier point, like it's, it's pretty obvious, plainly obvious to a lot of people that the reason why businesses pay more in taxes than residents do is because businesses don't vote. Residents vote. Households vote. But uh, the cafe does not vote for city right. council, so it's it's a cowardly position, and it's almost one of self preservation. So, I, like, what will it take for uh, uh, fourteen councilors and one mayor to say uh, that's not fair, and we were doing that to save our skin? Yeah, well, we're finding now that um, you know we can't we can't ride on the backs of business because a lot of them are are, are in trouble. Um, and there's more vacancy rates, and so something's got to change here, and that's part of what I'm putting on the table, is that that's the serious discussion that Jeff Fielding and I, uh, Jeff has agreed to have this conversation about how are we going to deal with this issue, not only with property tax, but business tax and businesses as well as we go through this period of time, because ultimately it, it does affect everybody. Yeah, but as you say, zero is going to mean some hard choices, and there, there's going to be yeah. a need then to to put all of that on the table and, and level with Calgarians. Yes, and I think if we if we can, you know, it's already been said to me, the reason you're doing this is because next year is an election year, and I agree. It's a great time to have this conversation, and it's a great time for people to know where I stand on this um, and, and to have that conversation with them because we're, it, it sounds trite. But we certainly are in this together, and, and elected officials have to reflect the seriousness of what's going on in the economy and where things are at right now. And uh, if that means making a decision like this and having to cut some service, 
we've had it pretty good for a long time. Well, how much sway do you have over that sentiment? Because I, I, I agree with you. I'd let the dandelions grow across the street if it would help the city in general. But mm-hmm. it's, it's cutting the dand or not cutting dandelions down or, or spraying them or whatever means mm-hmm. that we're not paying uh, uh, mm-hmm. some employees from the local to come by and get that done. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when you talk about the dandelions, what you're actually talking about is labor. Yeah. So. Um, that's been the argument that has always prevented us from, from really, you know, either going to zero or going lower. And then they say cut service and then they ask us, where would you cut service? And no one can agree. And then administration used to say, well, they can't agree. So let's just have the status quo. But I've got the utmost confidence um, in Jeff Fielding and his executive leadership team that they can figure this out for the next 18 months. And uh, and it's not just going after one area or another, but I think that they have the intelligence and the experience and the capacity to figure this out. If we say go away, and uh, it's going to be zero, and um, and we will have that conversation with Calgarians and ask them uh, to be in this together with us. Um, okay. Do you want to? Uh, uh Council, we're just short on time here, but we want to squeeze in a quick break. Come back and ask you about the town hall last night if you have a minute. Okay, thank All you. Right, cool. <laughs> Diane Collier, Card is our guest. Uh, Councillor for Ward 13. We'll be right back. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. Our guest this half hour is Councillor Diane Collier-Cart, who was at uh, a town hall meeting yesterday to talk about the Southwest BRT. Uh, Councillor, you've withdrawn your support for this project, this transit Mm -hmm. project, and you did that uh, last time actually we spoke uh, on the radio here. What did you you take out of the town hall meeting last night? Uh, The main thing, bottom line, is that these are a group of citizens that don't want to kill this project outright, but um, they they have a lot of concerns about it uh, that, you know, range from... Uh, this capital project that was approved in principle five years ago uh, at a budget of about $40 million and, on a cost estimate and then got <clears throat> rapidly accelerated in September when provincial money came through. So there was there's basically zero engagement on this project, um, which is really unacceptable. And um, and that that to me where this thing that that's where really this project got off the rails completely, and there's a lot to be learned uh, from the city's perspective on how not to do something. So um, uh, when you offend people to that extent, um, it's just 40 miles of bad road after that. And so some at some point you've just got to stop it and step back. And and uh, these are people that the 300 plus that were there last night that really want to roll up their sleeves. They want to, they want to be a part of this. They, they don't just have questions that need answers. They have opinions. Uh, They have ideas. Is it, can, can we really just tinker with this project though? I I don't know how it can be changed to, to address some of the fundamental concerns. Uh, So it, it just, I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get the sense that it's, it's a non-starter. Well, um, you know, um, the 14th Street, this 14th Street corridor um, is a hugely important corridor from Southland right to the flyover uh, to get onto Glenmore past the Rocky View. So when you start tinkering around with that that piece of road, uh, when you have that as the only way out of Palliser, Pumphill, Bayview, Oak Ridge, Cedar Bray, Woodlands, Woodbine, and all the South communities without the ring road being in place... Yeah. 
um, when you're talking about uh, major development at Glenmore Landing, the Jewish Centre uh, is, is going to have development on the other side. They're talking about an underpass at 90th Avenue. ATCO, we're talking about uh, ripping up high-pressure oil and gas lines to convert them. I mean, this is a lot for that small stretch when, when, um, when, when people need to get out. So um, absolutely, this needs to be considered. Is this was this the right piece of the corridor to to link up the southwest BRT? Not only that, but the crosstown piece coming over from the southeast Calgary crosstown BRT is supposed to connect into all of this. So that's a huge load on a really short piece of of uh, roadway. So uh, of course, people have very legitimate concerns. Uh, on something where they really weren't consulted on, and now everyone is now everyone is reacting to this. Okay. So uh, I don't know where this is going to take us, but there's another meeting July 20th at the at the standing policy meeting, and all these folks are going to be there again. Um, Mac Logan has said that he's slowing down this project because they were going to have shovels in the ground this summer, and so Mac is slowing this down. Uh, in order for this conversation to take place. Okay, so what can you do, though, at that level to redirect it? I mean, do, do, are you just one voice in that committee, or is there growing support behind you and, and, it, and, and an it, initiative? It, Roger, it's just not, it's just not uh, members of council. I mean, administration have heard loud and clear the concerns of the community. So, um, and I have had a commitment, as, as, as Councillor Pincott has, that administration are slowing this right down until we can uh, engage in this pro- in this in this um, project the way it deserves to be uh, treated. Okay, we should speak to Brian Pincott on this matter one day. That'd be a good voice sure. to talk to, uh, Councillor. Thanks for your time today. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. All right, Councillor Dan Collier-Cart, uh, Big Red, as she's affectionately known, Councillor of Ward Thirteen. She's going to run for mayor. You think? <laughs> she's stumping just now. <laughs> Uh, you know, like she. Could... Uh, I don't think she would have answered the question, but no, um, no I, I, you know, I think a lot of people wonder if maybe that's maybe that's what she's she's building to, perhaps. All right, let's take a pause right here. Wrap up this hour and set up the next one. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge News Talk seven seventy. All right, welcome back. Uh, we heard earlier in the program from Diane Collier-Cart, who talked about the, the burden, the tax burden uh, that, that the city is putting on ratepayers, including obviously business, and whether there's a need to try to reduce that burden, maybe even try to to hold the line on zero tax increases uh, to, to get people through this. Now, we also heard uh, the other day on the program from the owner of uh, Escobar Bistro says uh, the tax bill they got from the city was the last straw. Everything else they've been dealing with, uh, the recession, uh, additional costs uh, being imposed that it's uh, all just it, it's too much and they can't make a go of it anymore and uh, you know there, there was a story in the calgary herald this week quoted a number of other business owners that said look we're we're struggling we're, we're on the edge uh it's tough right now and then we got a letter uh yesterday from another business owner we got a letter from tracy johnson uh who <laughs> didn't write a letter to us wrote a letter to city hall that basically said just tell me what to do and I mean, it's the totality of it. And there's a reason it's being described as death by a thousand cuts. But Tracy Johnson joins us now, owner of the Atlantic Trap and Gill on uh, Heritage. And uh, what would that road be? Would that be Haddon Road there, Tracy? Mm, yes, it is Haddon Road. Mm, kind of like right down there by the hockey rinks, right across from the train station. Right beside the hockey rink. See, I mean, 
and it, it, it sort of pains me for a couple of like your location. You, you guys should just be killing it, and instead, uh, the costs of doing business are killing you. So tell us what's going on at the Atlantic Trap and Go. Um, well, I think like most business owners, especially in this business, uh, it was first the liquor tax increases, then it was the minimum wage increase, and it's also like the uncertainty of the minimum wage increase, because we're not exactly sure what's going on at this point. Um, and our food expenses have gone through the roof. I mean, basically all our expenses have gone through the roof. And when you add on to that, the fact that we got our property tax bill last week from our landlord and it went up 37%. So we're kind of hanging on by our fingernails at this point. And, you know, I just about had a heart attack. So we're kind of at the end of our rope here. Right. Well, let me just uh, dig a little bit deeper. And I'm sorry, I know you don't want to talk about this. You wish this was part of the past, but um, first of all, there's, there's two things that strike me. One, the cost of, of, of utilities for your uh, for your business, uh, those have gone up, right? Those have gone up. We pay about, I don't even mind telling people, actually, we pay about approximately about $4,000 a month in utilities. Okay. Huh. Uh, that's substantial, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And now when, when we all got our property assessments mailed out, uh, you know, I, I learned how much the city thinks my house is worth. Uh, when you got your property assessment, you learned how much the city thinks your parking lot is worth. Oh, yeah. Our parking work, our parking lot, which we make zero income off of, is worth over a million dollars. So we pay about $16,000 a year in property taxes just on our parking lot. On a strip of asphalt that you, on a strip of asphalt that you can't monetize. That we, I mean, can't, we're, well, we're not going to charge our customers for parking, yeah. Right. So, uh, How blindsided were you by the, 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 the latest tax bill? Completely blindsided. Um, we were led to sort of believe that our property taxes were going to go up by about 10%, which would have been about an extra $320 a month. And because the, the city has told us that they are amalgamating our property tax with the business tax that every business pays every month. So our business tax went from $575 a month to $527 a month. And our property taxes went from around $38,000 to almost $54,000. Okay. Uh, what sort of uh, what sort of levers do you have that you can pull on to, to try and get through this in terms of, you know, cutting staff or raising prices, stuff like that? Oh, see, that is the question. Because I think that we have almost done everything we possibly can just to get through the last year. Um, I'm 46. I have started waitressing once a week, which I have ever, never actually done. Uh, my co-owner, my sister also waitresses once a week. So that's two shifts gone already for, for servers. Um, we have cut, trimmed, trying to save on toilet paper, trying to save on everything. We, our bands have kind of begrudgingly agreed to a 10% pay cut. Uh, my salary's Hang on a second. Down let's, by fifty percent. Let's let me just not to to let me just dwell on the bands thing for a second. You said you, you have live entertainment. That's a nice uh, uh, perk that you provide for patrons of your pub, uh, yeah. and, and they've taken a ten percent cut. So, if for anybody who's listening who's wondering what what the trickle down effect looks like, it's hit the arts community. It. I don't know anybody who hasn't hit who it hasn't hit actually. I right. mean, I still listen to customers in the pub as well, and I mean, there's a lot of terrible stories out there. There really is. 
And you know what? We we had planned on just struggling through. Right. And it's just that this property tax increase, you know, maybe even that we could figure out a way to get through if I knew that better times were coming. But at the end of the day, I mean, the carbon tax, the everything, like the increased utilities, the next year more minimum wage hikes, possibly more liquor tax hikes. I mean, you could only charge so much for a burger and a beer. Now, and we can't we right. can't charge like thirty dollars for a burger and a beer. It's been noted that the uh, the, the last provincial b- budget uh, brought in a reduction in the small business tax rate from three percent to two yeah. percent. Does that oh does that offset any of this? It doesn't offset anything because we we haven't made a profit right. in the last two years. So if you're not making a profit, corporate tax is income tax is pretty much totally irrelevant at this point. Right. And plus one percent, I'm like, what is that? Like, you make a twenty thousand dollar profit, profit, you get like a two hundred dollar decrease in your taxes. Like, I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. You know, you talk about how you're waitressing a shift a week to try and and. Uh find some money to save, but what is that? That's like 80 to maybe 120 bucks when oh, you do it's, that? it's like we added it up that even if we both start, I mean, we've done everything. We've added up the fact that if we both waitress during the week, like we both have kids, if we both waitress during the week, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's like absolutely nothing, right? It's a drop in the bucket. It wouldn't yeah. even cover, or it doesn't even cover our increase in property taxes, but right. it's something, yeah. I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, you you, you forwarded us the forwarded us that letter uh, this week, and we we were sharing that on social media. And so you, so you you wanted to clarify though that you haven't closed your doors yet. I mean, it certainly sounded as though you, that was that was imminent. But what's what's the status of right now of the business? Uh, well, the status is like we're definitely trying to, I guess, go down fighting. I honestly think um, we belong to a pub group, and everybody is kind of in the same boat at this point. I mean, there's sheer panic going on and I don't like, I'm not trying to exaggerate anything, but there really is a lot of panic going on right now. So we're going to struggle through the summer and I guess we're going to reevaluate in September, but there is no point. If nothing changes, there is no point in staying open because I, there's just no point in us being entrepreneurs at all. Period. Wow. Because the government is making way more money off this place than we are. <laughs> oh, God, that's an obscene statement. Um, but it's true. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You sound exasperated, and, and I'm a little exasperated, too, because I think this is, this is what we were talking about a year ago, over a year ago, when we were saying, look, I mean, careful about the policies that you elect. We, we knew going into the election that this is the track that we were going to go down, increased corporate income taxes, uh, a carbon tax, an increase to the minimum wage. Do you sense, Tracy, that your patrons are aware of the pressures uh, that, that, that you're facing? Uh, well, no, <laughs> I don't actually. Um, like in fairness, you know, to I, them, I hear like... people, oh, sorry. I like, I hear people complaining because we have had two slight price increases and I know like almost every other pub owner I know had to, it had to increase their prices for the minimum wage hike. And that's what I hear most of the time is I can't believe you guys raised the prices. And I'm like, we're not raising our prices even close to what our expenses have gone up. Yeah. Like not even remotely close. But there's there any, is there any winning? Because I, this is, I'm going to continue to stake this claim that if you were somebody who voted for the NDP because you felt the minimum wage should be higher, 
because you felt corporate income taxes should be higher, because you felt there should be a price on carbon, you have a duty to go to businesses and consume and support them in the face of all these additional costs. Is anybody, no, that would be nice. Well, is anybody <laughs> giddily paying more for the hamburger or more for the, the pint of beer? No, and I can completely say that none of my staff, my serving staff, none of my serving staff want an increase in their wage because they know that that means that our prices are going to go up, they're going to get less customers, people are going to be mad because they're paying $20 for a burger, yeah, they're going to make less, less. Yeah. they're going to pay higher taxes, on and on and it goes, right? Yeah. How many How many people work there? Uh, about 28, like per time yeah. and mm-hmm. full time and whatever, yeah. Well, Adams, yeah, and between between a wage increase and not having a job, right? I mean, I, I think they'd rather have a job. Absolutely. There is, like, there is almost nobody in a restaurant except for the servers who make minimum wage. And the majority of their uh, income is in tips. Right. Yep. Like, the kitchen people generally start around $15 an hour and so on and so on. I mean, the problem with paying servers $15 an hour is that now you're paying your kitchen people $22 an hour. And the guy who delivers your food, you're paying him, you know, $26 an hour. And on and on it goes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, All right. Uh, Tracy, we'll we'll, we'll leave it at that. Thanks for the context. Thanks for providing some numbers uh, to give a bit more gravity to the situation. We appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Take care. That's Tracy Johnson, uh, a, dare I say, stressed... Uh, business owner, entrepreneur, uh, owner of the Atlantic Trap and Gill on Heritage Drive. Yeah, and look, I mean, it's she talks about the. Well, I mean, we're all sort of talking about the the province's role here, but uh, I think the city's got a role here too. I mean, um, you know, and, and we've talked about the property tax burden on businesses in Calgary and how substantial it is. And obviously, the the province and the city don't see eye to eye on exactly why the property tax increase was so big. But let's let's not let the city off the hook here either. Let's take a pause, come back, continue this. And your thoughts too, by the way. I mean, you're hearing this more and more, and you're going to hear it more and more. So what are your thoughts on the matter? 974-8255. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. You know, really quickly, Rob, I like to play poker in Las Vegas. And uh, there's some poker rooms there where the dealers don't make a wage. They work solely for tips. And those are the best places where the best dealers want to work because the only time to get paid is when they're finished dealing a poker hand. And so the more poker hands they deal, the more money they make. And as such, they're efficient, quick, friendly servers who want to earn more tips. Those guys get paid really well. Well, they have that choice, too. I guarantee you that every single top-earning waitstaff in this town... They work for the tips on the Friday night, not for the paycheck they get every fortnight. We get a lot of texts, a lot of phone calls. Let me read this text quickly. It says, I'd rather have a burger at the Atlantic Trap and Guild than a communist burger from Rachel's Burger Shack. (laughs) I've not tried either, so I'm going to withhold judgment. We should have a a taste test. But, you know, what's Rachel's slogan, by the way? Everybody loves our hamburgers. They have to. (laughs) That's right. Hi, Ron. Thanks for the phone call. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, good. Look, I want to quote... I want to quote uh, Chuck, um, what's his last name? Adler? Uh, Klosterman. Adler, yes. Who needs facts when you have feelings? Right. But, you know, I do have some concerns. 
especially with this Bill 6 and with the carbon tax and with what I'm seeing coming down the pipe here from the government, you know, we're all trying to run businesses here. I have two. One's an agriculture business, and the other one is a rental business where I have some rental properties that I rent out. I can tell you right now, my rental property business isn't making any money. And the biggest thing that's uh, going on is a lot of these policies that are coming from the government that are just raising the cost of things for the insurance company, uh, the town where my property sits in. Those property taxes have to go up because the government is dipping their hand into some of the revenues and whatnot. It. I look at it and I think, you know what, it'd be better for me to flip my uh, my properties and take a loss on them and just get out of it because I don't see a future in that. In my agricultural business, the carbon tax, this Bill 6, the implications it's going to have with how I take care of my employees and how I'm going to, uh, you know, safety standards, all that good fun stuff. I can't pass any of those costs on yeah. to my customers. They're going to have to be absorbed by me. Hey, Ron, sorry. Become- I, I know yep. you want. I know you kind of want to keep it vague uh, for a reason, but but it helps uh, to kind of color in the picture a little bit. What kind of agriculture business are you talking about? Like a farm or a greenhouse or something? I'm a honey. I'm a beekeeper. Okay, I'm, I produce honey. Oh, wow. see, we export honey to the states, to Japan, to Europe, to Yemen, of all places. Right, and. Uh, you know, I have to buy barrels to put my honey into. I have to buy pails to put them into. Mm-hmm. I have to pay my employees. I have, uh, you know, I run my trucks on the road and whatnot. My fuel costs are going to go up. They're they're substantial. Yeah. My um, with Bill Six coming in, I don't know. Like I mean, like I said, who needs facts when you have feelings? Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit afraid. and I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah. I have no idea what the government is going to come down, but I can see some of the occupational health and safety standards that I'm going to have to comply with changing with uh, minimum wage my guys are going to want to have a raise um just labor relations those are big expenses in my business and can i pass any of those costs on no i can't it's a commodity and when i put it to market whatever the customer is willing to pay that's what i get paid for i can't pass any of this stuff on my property taxes are going to go up because now there's going to be a carbon tax the town is going to have to cover those costs. The amount that gets taken off my property taxes for school fees and whatnot, right. that's going to change. That proportion, and that's not something that I can pass how on. Many, how many people do you, do you employ, Ron? Right now, I have uh, in, I have seven employees, but I'm going, and I've rolled that back. I haven't, I should have eight or nine, right. but I don't have that many. Because that's the reality of it, though, right? Is, is It's like I keep saying, look, when an oil company, and thanks for your phone call, Ron, by the way, really, really appreciate it. But that's the reality of it. When an oil company lays off hundreds of people, you know, we see that that's a benchmark industry and that's a news story. And we report on it. When Ron says to, you know, one of his eight staffers, I got to let you go. I can't keep you on board. The, the economy won't allow for it. Uh, that doesn't get reported. But that's a real job loss. And as those numbers mount one, two, three at a time. That's what causes the strain on the market. Well, so we got to take another quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to have more time for your calls. In fact, we got some open time after 12 o'clock. Uh, we can push back a different subject because I know a lot of people want to weigh in uh, on this topic. 974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Roger Kincaid and Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays starting at 930 a.m. on News Talk 770 Calgary.